Hello, everybody, and you're very welcome to the first 2021 episode of In the Lamplight. We're calling this season one. Sorry to cut in so early in the episode, but we had to address the musical elephant in the room that we forgot to talk about while we were recording this episode. For anyone listening who was thinking, hang on, the new theme music sounds a lot like Dermot Kennedy's song Giants. Well, you are correct. It's not blatant plagiarism, it's part of something new we're doing with our theme music. For the next while, we'll be tailoring our theme music to suit our guest each week. It may be based on music they like, it may be performed by them, who knows, but you'll always be able to hear the movement of our theme in it. In Rory's case, we chose to do it in the style of Dermot Kennedy because Rory has a big man crush on him. We would love it if you guys would get in touch at lamplightpod at gmail.com or through any of our social media channels and let us know which ones you like best or even if you prefer our original theme written by Kieran. Anyway, speaking of Kieran. We're calling this season 1.5 because live music is such a huge part of this podcast and it's very difficult to do that at the moment. So, while it's not quite the same as last season, We did want to bring all you wonderful listeners out there some shows while we all wait to hear when we can record together safely again. And we have some really exciting plans for the next few weeks. We're not in Luke's lamplit studio. Instead, we're on Zoom like the rest of the world. Uh, I'm actually in my lamplit studio. I just want to throw that out there. (laughs) Good for you, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the rest of us aren't and the three of us are conversing on Zoom. Uh, But we do still have a brand new guest and indeed some brand new music for you all. So, hello, lads. How are you this evening? What's the crack? Hey, it's good to be back. I I, I didn't want to say that because it sounds so cliche, but it's so good no, to be back. It is it's good so to good. be back. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I've missed these little uh, Sunday night uh, recording sessions. That you kind of got used to doing one of them every week when we were doing our intros and outros for episodes. So it's nice to be doing it again. Oh, for sure. Yeah. How's, how's 2021 treating you, Luke? Treating me? Uh, yeah. It's a funny one. It is. Um, you know, both myself and Rory were so mentally busy before Christmas on a whole load of different things. But I think nearly everything that we work, we were working on was in some way Christmas related. Like they were kids shows that would have been done live, but were being done online or the Hawkswell doing stuff online. So there's all this Christmas, Christmas, Christmas stuff. And all of it had to be done before Christmas. And then when Christmas hit, you know, 23rd, 24th, it was all done. And then there was just nothing, um, which was lovely for, you know, a week or two to get to sit and relax and do nothing because I really, I felt I needed that. And then kind of at the other side of that now, uh, to the point where the, I'm I'm fed up with it. I'm, I'm jaded with it again. I just want to get out and um, I start doing something again. But, it, you know, it looks like it'll probably be a while before the studio can open or... Jesus, it'll be months, I'd say, before we get anywhere near back to a gig or something like that. But um, but we do yeah. have the podcast back, Luke. We do have the podcast. It's the small victories, isn't it? I think at the moment you, you take those little victories. Rory, how about yourself? Uh, according to your social media, you've been you've been fairly busy shooting movies. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, movies, all right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we did it. I was trying to keep myself busy as well. No more than Luke, we were mental up until Christmas. And then, then it kind of went a little bit quiet. And my brother is down. He usually works up in uh, in Dublin, but his his the film work up there is kind of quiet just due to COVID. So he's down. And we, we had a couple of ideas for a couple of... Um, spec commercials speculative advertising where you just kind of make a commercial off your own bat and um and then some of it we were asked to do so we've had i've had a creative couple of months now making a few bits and pieces and having the freedom to to do it you know i, I missed the barber shop but i had always said that i'd love like a couple of weeks without it just to see how creative i could be if i wasn't working like my usual day job yeah uh, so i would like to get back to the barber and too don't get me wrong but it was great to have a couple of weeks to see see what we could do when there was no nine to five you know and give us an example of a couple of the projects you've you've been you've been you've been working on we did the two kind of main ones there's a few that aren't released yet so i won't i won't spoil the surprise about there's a few little projects we've been doing which i'm very excited about but like on my instagram at the minute we had uh, a spec ad for thermos which that brand that makes flasks um just we had a cool idea for that we went out and shot it on a beautiful crisp kind of wintry evening and it just came out lovely so i like that one and then there's another one for peugeot um so we were kind of asked to do that spec ad so that was an exciting one we had certain parameters to follow and then certain parameters that were totally up to us so um yeah and it was just lovely to like uh, oftentimes when you're working on on video projects there's very strict parameters and, yeah. and very uh, certain things just have to be done in a certain way and that's just the way you have to do it so i think for any kind of creative style person when you get out of that for you know, five minutes and the world is yours, you know, you can yeah. kind of go and grab it. So I don't know, it makes you bubbly, you're excited. So I just really loved making them two specs. And I, I, as I say, we have a few more to come, so hopefully you'll enjoy them when they come out as well. Great, great. Okay. Brilliant, lads. Well, let's not wait any longer. It must be time to introduce our first guest of the new season. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> we're going to change how we do this a little bit. Last last season, before Christmas, uh, I wrote a few poems to put out on social media to advertise the guest each week. And you lads thought it might be a, a, a better idea to put the poem on the podcast. Yeah. So we might try that now to introduce our first guest of season 1.5. Excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure am. I suppose I am, yeah. Can't wait to hear this. Here we go. Our guest this week is a man of flair, be it shooting videos or cutting hair. This combination no doubt is rare, but it makes for good chat in the barber's chair. He achieved notoriety at a young age when despite long nights of swatting the page, he forgot his lines and swore on stage. His mother's shriek could be heard in Grange. And music's big in his identity. If you're sick, listen to him sing. It's a remedy. But if you want this man as a mortal enemy, just say something bad about Dermot Kennedy. (laughs) But right now, he's busy sniffing glory in the podcast category. He's talking shite and telling stories. Looking forward to this one. Folks, it's Rory. (laughs) (laughs) Fab, yeah, I loved that, man. That was so good. Excellent. Although, can I just say... So obviously we had discussed, you know, me coming on to be one of the guests of this and I completely neglected to tell my family and friends because I've been involved in this process, you know, and, yeah. and like sometimes Kieran does his research for guests so that the conversation is interesting and surely I should have figured that out. 
And I've, I just, I'm sitting here and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, I forgot to tell everyone. And now yeah. I don't know what they've said. What, 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 <laughs> would you have to, what would you have told them, Rory? What would you have told them? I'd have said, right, guys, do me a solid. Right? <laughs> Kieran Quinn might call you. He may not, but he might. And whatever you do, don't tell this story, this story, this story, or this story. <laughs> now, you know well, if you told people to do that, then... If we got in touch with them, the first stories that they would have ran and clamoured to tell us would be the ones that yeah. you told them not to. Wait till you hear this one. <laughs> well, definitely my dad, yeah. Are you saying there was a story in the poem that uh, that I found out somehow from somebody else? Well, there's definitely something in your poem that you couldn't have known. Like a hundred percent. Well, unless well, you were there, but I doubt you remember it. And you would have been quite young yourself, so... I doubt you would have remembered that. Well, let, let's let's start the interview with that, Rory. I, I'm guessing oh. <laughs> that is the episode where you forgot your lines and swore on stage. Uh, yes. the, in, the information I have is that that, that occurred during a, a Mary McDonough production in the Hawkswell and you were approximately nine years old. Is that right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> approximately. They were giving you ages and everything. I hope we don't chronologically go fun. through all my mistakes starting from nine. Tell <laughs> us more. Tell us more about what happened. So what happened, so I was I was doing a, a a kind of, I don't know what you call it, like a medley show or something like that. It was like a kid's show and Mary McDonough's fun company used to put these on and there'd be a variety of different songs from a variety of different shows and kids would get different parts. And the part that I got uh, in this year's show, I think it was maybe the first, one of the first times I was on stage and the, the, uh, the part I got was of the Artful Dodger singing, consider yourself. At home, Papa can't say to something like so well known. I was, I was pure confident. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, my dad has spent a lot of time on the state on the stage, like in the Hawkswell and with different, um, uh, different uh, acting companies or whatever. And he was really excited that I got this role. And he was like, "Okay, Rory, we're going to practice. We're going to give it socks." We're just really going to make sure that you put your best foot forward. And like, I was so naive. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that's, that's dad talk. We're going to make sure that you don't get up on that stage and embarrass me. <laughs> in, in other words, <laughs> we're going to make sure what happened doesn't happen. He, like, it was like he had foresight to the fact. But I suppose if you don't practice for anything, but I hadn't put in the practice and we were doing dress rehearsals and stuff. And I sometimes think that the worst thing that can happen is a dress rehearsal go perfect. Because it's almost like, so I dress rehearsal went well, I was buzzing or whatever. Show got dropped off the Hawkswell. We, we were like a couple of acts in onto the stage. But the lads, when I'm saying there's a full cast of dancers and stuff, because you know the way kids' productions are, like everyone's parents wants them on the stage in some way. So, yeah, you know, it's them all up kids and So there's like 40 kids on the stage and then all their respective parents in the audience and the song, the tune starts. And But, but I think I got like, consider yourself. And then it was just blank and like <laughs> silence. Actually, it wasn't immediate silence because I think, now I, I might be wrong in saying this, maybe someone can correct me, but I think Dave McAvoy MD'd that. Now I'm not sure, but I think he did. And the reason I say that is because I have a vivid memory of him playing like the piano and trying desperately to mouth the words to me. As if to say, like, please, God, Rory, the, the place yeah. is full and everyone's silent. You need to say something. <laughs> and I think he, like, eventually stopped as well. So when the music went quiet, I looked down at my feet and, like, quite audibly just went, 
oh shit <laughs> and I, like nobody picked it up on the stage and, and then from the back well, this is the part that got me my mum shriek because it's kind of a bit, bit of a Christmas story it's like deadpan silent like you could hear everything you could hear a pin drop and then like a really delayed like <gasps> from my mum <laughs> the whole audience uh, just emba- the, the Maitland's embarrassing everyone in, in loads of different ways but yeah look that's that's one of the stories that comes up fairly regularly so when I heard you say that in your intro I was like this will be an interesting one now oh that is good Luke you were you were Oliver I know that much about you I never saw the show but were you Oliver in this same show as Rory was the Artful Dodger? Uh, no it wasn't the same show so that that was when Rory was nine so I would probably I'm I'm think a year younger than you, Roy. So I would have been eight at that stage. I was Oliver when I was thirteen. So you would have been fourteen at the time. Would yeah, that be right? yeah. And yeah. was Roy in that show? Roy was in that show as well. Okay. That, I think that was certainly my first time being in like a. You know, I'd done the fashion, I'd done bits and bobs, and I did speech and drama. But it was my first time being in like a full scale production on the Hawkswell stage. I could be wrong. Was it your first time being in a full scale show as well, Rory? I, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure because we, I, we had done the sound of music as well. Um, and ah, I wasn't, yeah. so my sister was in that. Were you in that? Yeah. So I can't, I, did that come before the, that came before because that, that was, that was like a year or two before. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we were both in we were both in a fun company production of Oliver. Um, I was Oliver, and Rory was Mr. Noah Claypool. That's and, right. Oh my! And Rory, if you if you go and check your emails there now, I've just sent you a little surprise. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. Go and have a go at your email. Rory was Noah Claypool, and uh, I think I still remember my lines. For, oh, it's the script, yeah. Luke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, man. Just in case you can't still remember, remember your lines, do you want to tell uh, Kieran what your part was? Yeah, I play. Sorry, I'll just get in front of the mic again. I'm just gawking at this script in kind of long lost memory. That's amazing. Um, so my my part was Noah Claypool, and I can't actually fully remember the exact structure of how Oliver goes, but I think he gets kicked out of an orphanage and he gets taken he gets in bought. by a coffin. He, he gets bought. Um, That's he, right. He, he does something bold in the in the uh, workhouse, and then they sell him, and they sell him to um, uh, a the, maker. The, the undertaker who Rory <coughs> kind of works for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Undertaker's son. Am I or do I just work there? You you work there, yeah. But I think you're kind of sweet for the Undertaker's daughter, though. Yeah, that's right. Jesus, Luke, fair yeah. play to you, lads. Fair, fair play, yes. No wonder he wins all the yeah, 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 that's amazing, yes. Sorry, it's a good while ago now, but yes, that is correct. So Oliver then comes to, he's bought by the Undertakers. I work there, but I'm quite mean to Oliver, you know, fa- fairly regularly. Every one of our encounters on the stage um, is a is a is a mean one. Sorry, I'm just looking at this script. It's amazing when you see something. So are you, are, are you going to yeah, do it, do lads? It. We, we, if, if you have the script, we may as well let's let's relive it. Let's relive the glory days. This comes in the show just after Oliver sings the Where is Love and makes everybody cry. He makes everybody cry, and he does the big sad cute face, and he goes to sleep, and uh, the lights come down and stuff, and then you get this uh, rude. Banging on the door, and it's Noah Claypool outside, ready to come in and and ruin Oliver's day. Yeah, fair play, Luke. Man, that's exactly it. I remember it so clearly. Now, you know when someone kind of jogs your memory. But uh, do you want to give this a go? Have a London accent, all right, London. Side note: You know when I did when we did that show, and I was thirteen, and in the script it actually says that Oliver is thirteen, but I looked nowhere near thirteen, so they had to change it to eleven. 
Ah, det er nå. She still hardly looks her thing, Luke. <laughs> yes, love it. Right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's give it a go. Right, am I doing the sound effects here as well? Do whatever you want. All right, we're, we're pros, Luke. We're, pro, we're pros from our from our fourteen year old acting days. Right, right. Landing, landing. All right. Open the door. Right. Open the door, will ya? Open the door. Open the door. I will directly, sir. Are you the new boy? Yes, sir. How old are you? Eleven, sir. Well, then I'll whop you one when I get in there. Just see if I don't, you little workhouse brat. <laughs> Did you knock, sir? <laughs> I kicked. Did you want a coffin, sir? No, but you'll be wanting one before very long if you start checking your superiors. You know who I am, I suppose, workhouse. Well, no, sir. I can't <laughs> say as I do. I'm Mr Noah Claypole, and you are under me. So open the blinds, you idle young scallywag. And then we're into we're into Charlotte's. And then, then in the script here, and then in the script here, it says Noah kicks Oliver where it hurts most. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, lads. I love it. I love it. I was just going to say there was. I just I'm reminded as well. Just while we were kind of like going down memory lane, there there was a stunt in that show. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I just I hope I get this right, but. When when Oliver decides that he can't take the angry workhouse anymore and he can't take the bullying from Noah anymore, he decides to run out into the world. And I think after that is when he meets Fagan and the Artful Dodger when he's a, a street boy. But before he leaves, and the reason he leaves, is uh, Noah brings up his mother. Now, obviously, in the story of Oliver, uh, Oliver's an orphan, so obviously the story of his mother is a touchy subject. But I think Noah walks in and he goes, All right, Oliver, as your mother. And... Uh, he hops up onto like quite a high tabletop and Oliver kind of flips the switch, can't take it, runs at him, pushes him off the tabletop and runs out the back door. And then after that scene, the, the, the stage goes black and we're now out into the real world with Oliver. But in order for that stunt to happen, Oliver would push me and then there was a crash mat, mat behind me and I just fall straight back, lovely soft crash mat, and then the stage go black and I, I go off. But that particular role, Luke, I don't know if you remember this, but myself and Drew actually traded that role. <clears throat> I remember. I, I, for, for anyone who doesn't know, Drew is your twin brother. Yes, Drew's my twin brother. And in The Sound of Music, we traded the role of Friedrich. And then in Oliver, we traded the role of Noah. And that happened a few times as well. But Drew didn't like the crash pad. He didn't like falling straight back, you know. So what he preferred to do was get pushed and roll directly off the top of the counter, land on his feet and hunker down to make it look like he had rolled off. Right. So the stage crew for him were prepped differently to me. The stage crew would bring out a crash mat for me and none for him. So one of the times the stage crew completely forgot to bring out the crash mat for me. So I think when you pushed me, I did my usual fall back off the counter and landed directly onto the stage with a huge thud, like, poof, smashed Fenny Higgins's mic, couldn't breathe. I was just delighted that I didn't have to actually get an exit. And like the stage went black and I like hobbled off. I'm sure people in the audience were like, geez, he's a great actor to stay working when the lights are down, isn't he? Like, <laughs> just couldn't actually walk. <laughs> Can I ask the barber in you a question, Rory? Of course. Do you remember the grand set of blonde highlights you had in your hair when you did that show? Ah, when you... 
<laughs> I do remember the grand set of blonde highlights. I was, you I had was, a nice uh, kind of a straw yellow thing going on. Uh, oh, straw man, yellow stop, like, yeah. Some, sometimes I see photographs from that era of my life and like I just like I loved that era of my life living it but just photographic e- evidence I just wish I could just click the delete button and just be like I never looked like that I swear I never thought that was cool like huge baggy trousers and a big baggy t-shirt long like straw like like what, what's the stuff they put in your hair um whatever the bleach is like bleach bleach, <laughs> bleach to death like you could break it in half it was yeah it was shocking <laughs> We must uh, we must uh, get onto our sources, Luke, and uh, get a picture get a of that. Cu- yeah. Get a couple of those oh. pictures for the <laughs> get, <laughs> for the get week. Get it ahead. framed. Get it framed and plaster <laughs> the front of Rory's barbershop <laughs> for his reopening. <laughs> Wonderful. It's funny, funny, Rory, because the first time I came across you was also uh, in the musical theatre world. Uh, I was the musical director of Greece. I'd say maybe 2012, 2013, working That's with right. Karen Gordon and the Star Factory and. You were brought That's in. Right. Uh, you were brought in at late notice uh, to play the part of Kanicki, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yeah. What had happened there actually was that I think the Kanicki that had been kind of training or whatever for for a couple of months, something happened. He couldn't make the show, but it was like two weeks to the show, and Karen called me and she said, "Like Rory, is there any chance you do this show?" And I said, "Well, like, is it not a kids' show?" And she's like, "I, I, it doesn't matter." She's like, "If you can learn lines, uh, like fast and learn dances fast, please just save our, save our asses here." Like, so I thought about it, like it was good crack, and but like it was funny. I shaved, shaved my face and stuff, and still looked twenty years older than everyone on the stage. So I think, that's <laughs> yeah, also well, funny. I, I, like, I suppose, I suppose it wasn't a kids' show in the same way as the one we described earlier, where you were nine. It was, it was more sort of for teenagers, I think, wasn't it? So you weren't the, the age gap wasn't quite that, like as if, as if you were the rest were nine or ten years old and here's this grown man coming in to play Kanicki. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose but, there was a couple of like I think there was a couple of 20 year olds in it as well but sparsely yeah. and then mostly it was about 13, 14, 15 year olds. Well the, the thing I remember about you was you were obviously a bit older and a lot of the teenagers looked up to you and, and I, I remember you were sitting around in a circle with them one day after rehearsal with a guitar and you were <clears throat> playing the most believable Ed Sheeran songs, except <laughs> except they weren't they weren't Ed Sheeran songs. They were songs you were making up yeah, on the yeah. spot to sound like Ed Sheeran songs. Do you remember that? Yeah, God, man, this is like a trip down memory lane. Yes, I do, I do. Um, so what where this all started was that when Ed Sheeran first landed on the scene, uh, um, how to describe this? Because because I, I do respect him or whatever, but it's like his lyrics were so simplistic, you know, and his four chord trick was used in nearly every song it was a very simple melody and very so I I figured out that he actually just wrote for the first part of his career anyway and the part when I would have been doing this trick he just wrote to a formula like and I my my tagline was that Ed Sheeran was a bit of a fraud you know what I mean he he wasn't a musician at all he was a mathematician he was he was just he had his formula he had his cheat sheet and you know a producer call up say we need a new song Ed and he'd go yeah no problem I'll have it over to you in 15 minutes not a bother and he just whips (laughs) something out in the bedroom you know but um so what's the formula what's the formula Right, so the formula is, if I remember this correctly, right, I think I started by saying you need a cutesy English accent. That's the main thing. And then the second thing is you need to be constantly singing about being in love or having lost love. Uh, And then you don't want to get too complex with your imagery 
but you do want to like fairly regularly pop in little bits of of uh, very real life things like for example a cup of tea um or like <laughs> you know like, yeah or like sitting in and watching a movie like you know i'd rather i'd rather sit in and watch a movie with you than sing in front of three thousand people because that's what real love you know this kind of like real softy stuff like uh, and then and then you need just yes you just need to just randomly throw all them things together do it all in a cute english accent uh, and then have a moment of vulnerability in it because a little moment of vulnerability is important because then because then all of a sudden everyone's like oh my god i know ed i know him i know the kind of person he is so yeah so i just kind of i so i'd say all that and i'd say it's fraud and i remember being at a party one time the very first time i did it and they were like well sing an ed sheeran song i said right give me a guitar so we'll sing an ed sheeran song and, and i did and i just I, I haven't done it for years but i used to do it fairly regularly back then well 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 tonight is the night rory we are gonna oh. uh, <laughs> we're gonna ask you uh, i see a guitar on uh, hanging up on your wall in the background there so you've no excuse oh. uh, how about how about you go get it and show us this ed sheeran trick oh luke you may be cutting something very rapid out of this show let me go and get the guitar <laughs> one second <clears throat> i don't think so if it's if it turns out great, he can't hear me now. But if it turns out great, we'll leave it in. And if it's if it's a train wreck, we'll definitely leave it in. So, <laughs> <laughs> love the editorial decision made. Mm, I mm. like it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Rory has the guitar, and uh, and he's uh, getting his headphones back in. One sorry in. now. Apologies. So what I need actually, right? So this was the thing to to kind of say that I hadn't written it beforehand. I used to do it to like three three words or like two or three words I'd get somebody to give to me and then I, I'd write the song, but I'd incorporate them words. Ah. So I don't know if anyone's got a couple of words there they could throw to me and then, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to do this uh, song. Whoa. Okay, Luke, what you got? I can do you some words. Um, lamplight? Yeah. Well, hey, okay. Right, Lamplight. Why not? Um, Why not? You said coffee. Okay. And um, camera, camera, camera for, for Rory. Lovely camera for the cinematographer in you. There we go. Oh, what was that? Lamplight, coffee, <coughs> camera. All right. So I'll, I'll slightly. I don't know how best to position my mic, but I might just tilt it slightly away from my mouth and slightly more. So hopefully, can you hear that there? Yeah. Okay. So we'll just do a very simple chord progression. So this is like a, an E kind of a thing, and then like an F variation, and then. And then to be honest, we might go to a C or a D or something, but who knows? But it won't be anything too complicated. Hey, don't go too wild now, Ed. God forbid there'll be a bar chord or something in it. Right. Oh, Jesus. Let's go, oh, Jesus. Let's try this. Your footsteps on my floor. Oh, like that. Your handprints on my door. But your face isn't here anymore No, no <laughs> But I remember It was just you and me You were drinking tea And I was drinking coffee Oh, there's the first <laughs> But it was time well spent It was time with you Isn't it good and isn't it right to sing songs like this in in the lamplight and songs for Kieran, songs for Luke, and songs for me and songs for you. Oh, now do we need that moment of vulnerability? Now I think we probably do. <laughs> and I wouldn't be so afraid, and I wouldn't be so unsure, but I, 
I would be amazed if you were here at my door But I might be your man, yeah But I'm live on this camera So I can't tell you what you mean <laughs> to me Right? And, Jesus! And, and then what I do then, right? So I take that that drivel and then I I go on on English television, our, our British TV, and I go, yeah, like 15, 14 or 15 of us got together uh, and we spent like just two, two and a half weeks just really running ideas past each other. So I'm really glad that people like it. You know, that's the kind of thing you get. <laughs> that is class. Uh. That is excellent. Camera uh, and man, yeah, that's a great rhyme. Yeah, yeah. That's a great on the spot, on the spot. That's a great rhyme. Uh, my my brain nearly exploded trying to figure out how to get camera into that somewhere. You know? <laughs> when was the last time you did that? Do you think before now? Uh, oh, jeez, has it been uh, a few years? Like, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I wouldn't be as like back then. It was it was all <laughs> the rage. I loved doing it, but now I think it's now. If, if sometimes the lads might bring it up, you know, if we have a couple of beers in the house, well, when we could have a couple of beers in the house, and they say, "Rory, do the Ed Sheeran thing," and it kind of makes me cringe a bit now. But back then, I thought it was class. Like, you know, <laughs> do you know what? Do you know? I think we should do, Kieran. If you ever do a team night that Ed Sheeran would fit into or, you know, an Ed Sheeran team night or something. We send Rory out on the stage. We hand him a flashcard before he goes out with three words in it. And we send him out on the stage and we say nothing and see if anyone in the audience turns around and says, that's not an Ed Sheeran song. See, <laughs> see if we can get away with it. <laughs> I just go I to the it. audience and be like, can somebody help me with these lyrics? Can you give me a word? You give me a word. And you give me a word. And write a song on the spot. Have you got enough? Uh, very good. Rory, I have a question for you. Um, this is a question we're going to feature over the next few episodes, and it's a difficult question. Uh, but right now, uh, on the spot, what is your favourite album of all time? Oh, tricky. Yes. And I wouldn't mind, but I, I, like a good while ago, we spoke about certain questions that we could use, and I thought this might come up. You thought I would have thought of this, but I don't. I didn't. Um, <laughs> But it's kind of, it's one of them questions though, isn't it? It's like, um, it's a bit like what's your favourite colour, but it's, you know, there's no real answer to it. But um, I suppose if I picked one, it'd be Fleetwood Mac Rumours, maybe. And not, and not necessarily because it's the greatest, I think it's the greatest album musically. I mean, I, I love that album, don't get me wrong. I think it's fabulous. I love pretty much anything Fleetwood Mac have ever put out. But that one is one that I just really remember from when I was young. I used to work with my dad, um, kind of throughout the summer or whatever, when we weren't in school. And that was one of the albums that he always had uh, in his van. And like very regularly, uh, he'd put it on. So like imagine you're out working with your dad, it's a summer day, the windows are down in the van, you're traveling around the country um, and these tunes are playing. And it's kind of like, so every time I, even if I see the album cover, like I, I saw, I saw a vinyl of it not too long ago, and it's even the album cover itself. Just I, I, I instantly go boom, and it's full of memories, and so, so I suppose that's kind of what music does in a sense, as it kind of moves, as it mo you move past it in your life, you kind of remember the time when it was important, and that time for me was a class time in my life and really important for my memories. So, my favorite album, although musically I love it but I'm not choosing it specifically for its music I'm choosing it for what that album does for me and my memories you it's, know? An, it's like a nostalgic hit for you absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. and I, yeah I just think it's I think it's fabulous it's funny you mentioned earlier about uh, that time in your life 
you've mentioned it twice now. Once was, you know, about the, the Oliver show when you were 14. This is this is similar time in your life, I'm saying. And you, you, you said twice, as I say, it was a really special time. What, what do you think it was about that time that, that, that make, makes it so memorable for you or, or so fond for you to look back at? Yeah. Um, because for a lot of people, those years are hell. You know, but those teenage years where you're trying to find yourself or figure yourself out. But I think that's why I loved it. Because sometimes them times are crap when you're in the middle of them. But without sounding too like a cliche or whatever, but that's what molds you. You learn so much. You're old enough to have things that you like and things that you understand and, and things that you want to pursue. You're not old enough to have been kind of, uh, I don't know, dwarfed by the world yet. So the world is your oyster and you can have anything. Anything is possible. You haven't, you know, like, and I just loved that kind of, I suppose, youthful or childish freedom. Not that I've lost that much of it, but definitely back then you were just free. You were free to think that anything at all was possible. And, and, and if you put your mind to it, you can have it. And I just loved that. And I loved every time, everything is new. So your first time on the Hawkswell happens, okay, granted when you're nine, but your first solo so- song to sing in front of an audience happens when you're 12, 13 or 14. You know, your first time, your first time you, I don't know, fall in love with somebody or the first time you, you know, it's all these, like it's a really special time. And I think sometimes people look back at it and they go, Christ, it was horrible. And it is, don't get me wrong. It can be shocking. But there is such beautiful things to take away from it too, if you separate yourself from the from the crippling social anxiety that goes along from, from, yeah. bl- from the blonde highlights. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Do you think exactly. that the blonde highlights had anything to do with the crippling social anxiety? Or- oh, sure. <laughs> no, they, they have something to do with my social anxiety now, but it's not. At the time, they were all the rage. <laughs> Rory, you have something in common with Nevin Maguire, with Kiefer Sutherland with Scarlett Johansson. Any ideas what that is? I have no idea. We've mentioned it already on the show. You are a twin. Oh, oh yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's Scarlett yeah. Johansson, a twin. They're all yeah. twins, aren't They're they? all twins, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. So what's what's being a twin like? Uh, <laughs> it's great. It's like, overall, it's great. Like, geez, it has its moments too. Don't get me wrong. When you, like, when you live in somebody's pocket for your whole life, like it's, you know, yeah. or live in each other's pocket, should I say, it has its moments. But overall, being a, being a twin is fabulous. It's nice to have someone, and I, I, like, I, I can't speak for all twins. I can only speak for, for my relationship with my brother. And we, we do so much of the same things. And when we were younger, we did so much of the same things. Uh, and then like, I suppose when we got in, when we did our leaving search and we kind of moved away from home and stuff, we did separate things. Um, and now we're back to doing the same things, but we're really, really on the same level. And I'm, like, I'm not sure if this happens for every, for every sibling relationship, you know, people that just know you incredibly well, but me and Drew just have that understanding of who each other are simply because we grew up literally side by side for our whole lives so i think in one way it's really special it's really special to have somebody that pretty much every story i can think of Drew also has the same story because we we did then things together and yeah it's a relationship that i, that I cherish absolutely he drives me up the wall at times too <laughs> but that's that's because if i knew myself in real life I I drive me up the wall, you know. Yeah, what I, mean? yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. it's, it's it's probably based off that, you know. But I think when you know somebody that well, you also really know exactly how to push their button. Like if you want to annoy them, you know exactly what to say. I'm just going to push your button right now. 
yeah, yeah, for sure. And definitely, like, it's not so bad now. But Jesus, in our teenage years, that was like it was like the nuclear weapon. It was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you annoyed me now, so I'm gonna like I'm gonna say this one thing that I know you hate. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So there's no like diplomacy or warning shot. Not straight to the nuke. Straight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going straight for it. Absolutely. Straight to the yeah, nuke. Yeah. Who's older? I am. Oh yeah, I am older by twenty seven minutes. And has that play? Has that does that have an impact on on things now? Like, are you are you in any way an older brother, or or is that just not not relevant to your relationship at the moment? I I think I am to an extent, in some ways, and then in other ways, not at all. Um, it's it's really hard to explain. I would probably come off uh, across a little bit older. I don't know, Drew, Drew's a kind of a young soul, you know, that kind of way where I'd be a little bit of an old soul. And I don't know if that's because um, because of the, like a couple of minutes of difference, maybe not. But um, yeah, I, I would a little bit. But then in some ways, like if I go to a film set, I'm very much Drew's like younger brother, you know, that kind of like a big film set shooting for Samsung or shooting Game of Thrones or something like that. All of a sudden it's like, now I, I feel dwarfs like, Drew, Drew, where do you get the coffee? Yeah, where, yeah, like, yeah, where, yeah. Who, who's the person, where's the toilets here? You know, this kind of way. But, yeah, so I think yeah, it's yeah. it's very, it, to be honest, it's 50-50, but yeah, sometimes I feel a bit like that, yeah. I have it, I have it on good authority that Drew was lucky to make it this far at all, Rory. Why, uh, why is that? You, you, well, you were an awful man for drinking his bottle when you were babies, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, poor Drew. No wonder. No wonder you're you're, you're a bit broader than Drew, and I think that who, that, who <laughs> told you that? <laughs> oh, oh, God. Anyway, there's a there's a an album of photographs in our in our house, yeah. and like at one point in our now I'm a I'm a bit, much bigger dude than Drew anyway, but at one point in our like like babyhood. Like every photo is just me leaning over in a high chair, stealing something off his plate. I don't know how mom and dad kept him nourished because like, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, very good. You were like the baby. You were like a, as a baby version of a man, you know, walking around a, a, a pub with a pint in each hand. It's like yeah, one, it. one bottle isn't enough. Got to steal Drew's as well. There's, there's a photo. I'll see if I can find it. And I'd be so happy to share this if I can. So hopefully I can find it. But there's a piece of toast in my mouth. There's a piece of toast in my left hand and I'm reaching over to grab toast off Drew's <laughs> plane, like, so I don't know where that came from like uh, oh, brilliant, brilliant. is it true you got the same points in the leaving cert <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes it, it is actually that's a there's a that's there's a crazy a that, that's a crazy stat isn't that's it bananas I, I'd actually love to know what the statistical chances of a set of twins getting the same points uh, is because it seems mental and it seems more mental like myself and Drew, when we went to secondary school, would have been like the creative types, you know, quite loud. And uh, I'm not saying all creators are loud, but we were and quite yeah. outspoken and stuff. And, and I think for a lot of teachers, having the two of us in the same room was probably a bit much. So very early on, we got separated. So if you imagine for our whole schooling career, um, we didn't have any of the same classes. We took different elected subjects. Uh, you know, like we, we were not, really the go home to study type it's very much learn in the in the uh, while doing and then whatever gets lodged in your brain is is what stays there uh, so realistically we didn't do any study at home together or anything so when we went to get our leave insert points like we went there with a really really close friend of ours wheeler and he's still our closest friend to this day 
And he was grand. He had studied his arse off. He was well prepped for it. He was walking in shoulders high, head high, like, how well did I do? And me and Drew were like, oh, God, we'll just go in with you. And like, everyone will be like the, the teachers that tell you your grades or whatever. They'll they'll give you a clap and we'll sneak out the back. But uh, we got in, got our grades. Uh, Wheeler did exceptionally well, as we thought he would. And we got out. And I opened my points and I got 325 points. And Drew kind of was counting up his points. And then he goes, I got 325 points. And I was like, no way. Because like leading up to it, I had said to him, I might do great, but I'll do better than you. <laughs> he was doing the exact same thing. So so for, for that to happen, and I remember calling my mom and like she was petrified. She was like, one of you have definitely failed. And if one of you failed your leaving cert and the other one passes, there'll be friction between ye and yeah, like, we'll, yeah, have to, yeah. we'll have to be congratulating one person on, on doing well and, and you know, condole, con, condoning the other one or whatever. So when we got the same, I called my mum and she was like floods of tears. Like, I think she was just more delighted that there wasn't going to be a rift in the house afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what that is though? That is a really good example of kind of how flawed the leave and start system is in a way like if if you were to just off the cuff say 325 points to someone like that's in the middle there but you're now running your own barbershop you're a really good cinematographer you're an intelligent incredibly intelligent person drew is off working on film sets also really you're both really intelligent creative people and the school system that we have doesn't let people hone in on on certain talents that they might have and uh, you know until you get off to college or get out into the real world you can't take cinematography in leaving cert you know yes so it's it's really limiting isn't it and the pressure of it is is awful well you hit the nail on the head with like that's one of my biggest pet peeves every year when it comes round and i was delighted last year that's that's for the people that really weren't feeling confident to the leaving cert they didn't have to sit it it, it irks me so bad the pressure that we kind of as a society put young people under. Like to tell them that if you don't succeed in this one exam, that you won't succeed at life is... Yeah, it, or that you're, somehow, that you're somehow less capable than people who succeed in this really narrow, constrained exam. And, and don't get me wrong, the people who succeed at the Leaving Cert, I wish them all the best. And like, I, I see people who are really driven in academics and I would never want to take that away from them. But what if you were driven to learn the piano or to open a recording studio or to open a barbershop or to open a production company mm. or to work in any of the variety of things that the three of us work in, which are lovely, really like soul warming things to do with your life. But yet you do, you'll never have that option unless you go and find it. And you have to be a really strong person because you'll spend all of your schooling years before that being told that if you don't do maths and English, well, then there's nothing for you. And I'd love an opportunity to go into a school and talk to a group of young people to tell them that the only thing you have to focus on in your life, especially at your age, the only thing you have to focus on is yourself. Yeah. All you have to care about is to make sure you're happy. And if you do that, I promise you have a better chance of, of, of winning at life, which is being happy. Because that's all anyone wants, you know. Well said, well said. Next question for you, Rory. We're flying oh. through them here. Okay. Uh, this is this is linked linked to one I asked you earlier. Um, I'm also going to ask you, what's your favourite song of all time? Possibly even trickier than the favourite album question. Uh, yeah. Like, I hate to be that, per like, I hate to be that person that's like, I don't have one because they change all the time. 
but that is true. Like they, they change all the time. I mean, my favorite song at the moment may not necessarily be my favorite song in five weeks time. Um, but I suppose like gun to my head again, you're going to kill me. I, one of you is going to be like, Rory, pick a favorite song. And that is for the reason of the song and not for what goes behind it. But I absolutely adore Hosier's Take Me to Church. And again, not because it's the, I think it's beautiful music and I think it's beautifully put together. Fabulous imagery, really well crafted. It's an actual crafted song. Like I just really feel that from it. But <laughs> the reason it's my favorite song is that Hosier blasted onto the scene. Like so, he was so big with his song, Take Me to Church. He just came out of nowhere. The entire island of Ireland knew him straight away. And what he decided to go with was like a, a kind of a movement about gay rights, which when we look at like, like I know I, I kind of took the piss of edge here and there, but you know, if when you have a platform, you have an option. And sometimes that option is just to put out kind of generic consumable music that people will listen to for a while and they'll love and, and then they'll, they'll pass it off and they'll get something else they love. Or you can use that pl- <clears throat> platform to speak to the ears of all of the listeners that will hear it. And to do something like that, to, to, and Hosier is super political in, in all of the stuff that he says, um, like Nina cried power, for example, but to come off the bat with something so like prevalent and prominent in our society at the time, I just loved him for it. I just thought that's exactly what we need. We need something like that. And we need, I, Ireland is a really progressive country now, or at least we're trying to be. And if our popular music is representing that, it becomes more acceptable within the youth of our society to be accepting of everyone. And I just loved what he tried to do. So I think Cozier's Take Me to Church is definitely my favourite song at the minute. And he didn't he didn't just splash to Ireland either. Like all it seemed like overnight all of a sudden he was just everywhere. He was in all over Ireland as well, but he was in top and charts in the States and the UK and all over the place. I don't I can't remember in recent memory another Irish artist kind of having that big breakthrough like he has had. We need to find out who did his marketing strategy oh. and then we need to fly them into Lamplight HQ and get a quick chat with them so you don't <laughs> take us on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And no, I remember, uh, you say, as you say, he just broke through with a, with a crash. I remember coming home one day and chatting to Sinead. She, she'd been, I think, one of our children. Nixie possibly was very young at the time. She'd be home with Nixie for the day. And she says, I heard the most amazing song today. This, it yeah. just blew my mind. And I've been thinking about it ever since. And it, and it was this song. And it just, and then the first time I heard it, it was, oh man, like it's. Yeah, yeah. It, and I think. It's a wow, wow moment. Because it was totally different to everything else that was on the radio at that time as well. It wasn't the cookie cutter formula um, bubblegum pop. It, it, it was totally original sounding and unique sounding. Yeah, like yeah. It, I think it's just it harps b- back to that part of everyone. You know, like you can watch like the American Pie movies and they're grand. You know what mm. I mean? There's there's mm. images in front of your face, but you're never going to feel something. Mm. But then you watch something like Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk that's done with intent. It's done with intention, and it has like like a create like a creative prowess about it. So other creatives and even people who mightn't consider themselves too creative can harp into like how beautiful it is to craft and create something like that. And I, it, it blew me away when I first heard it. So now I have all his albums and I listen to all of his stuff that comes out. Like, it's great. Lovely stuff, Rory. So I promised you all at the start, folks, that we do have some brand new music, despite the fact that we can't meet up. So I'm really looking forward to this, actually. Uh, last I heard, 
it was a piano track uh, that I sent to Luke. Uh, Luke sent it to Rory and Rory recorded his vocals and then Luke did a bit of work with it. Um, it's linked to what we've just been speaking about because it's a, it's a hosier song. Uh, do you want to tell us yes. why you chose to sing this song on the on the show today, Rory? Uh, yeah, um, this song I just think it has beautiful flow. It just has so many like avenues of emotion you can go down with it. Like I don't have the world's most fabulous range. I really enjoy singing, but I just I don't have like super lows and super highs. I have somewhere in the middle. So I had to. I, I was I was struggling to find a songs that fit that bracket. But Hosier, this particular song, I just find it really beautiful. I, I just love singing it. Um, as I said, I just really appreciate what Ho Hosier tries to do with his platform. Um, so yeah, when when you asked me to, to choose a song, I, I kind of racked my brain. <laughs> I kind of thought when I was looking at them, I'm constantly talking about Dermot Kennedy on this podcast. So I thought I better not. Now, I, I only sidestepped about a half step and went to Hosier. It's not as if I fully like <laughs> flipped it on its head and I, I went for swing jazz or something. But um yeah, I, I, I chose it just because I love it. And I, I, I think I, I think I sing it fairly well. So I, I just wanted to, and I've always wanted, another thing, I always wanted to record it. Uh, and like, I don't have any audio recording skills whatsoever. So to get to record it, send it off and for Luke to do his thing, fabulous. Ah, it was a pleasure to work on. It was a great focus, great song as well. An interesting thing that you might be able to answer, I don't know whether it feeds into you deciding that you like a song. But, you know, just to, to work on that, I had to go and listen to the original and I watched the video for it. And the video, Hosier's video for the original is really cool. It's really cinematic. And I was looking at it, yeah. kind of wondering how it's done. Does it ever feed into you deciding that you like a song if it has a good video to go along with it because you're a cinematographer? I hate saying yes to this, but yes. But I think so, that's like, very valid. I don't, I don't like, think there's any shame in saying yes to that. So I can hear a song on the, on, on the radio and go, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's grand. And I think I get, and then I mightn't give it any time. Whereas if I see a song on my phone and I see class visuals, I might want to see them visuals again and then learn something about the song that I do really like. Or, you know, when you hear a song like two or three times and then on the third time, it's like, geez, that is actually class. Some, some catch you on the first go and some don't catch it till the 10th go. But I'm far more likely to figure out that I got caught on the 10th go if they have a class video because I'll watch it over and over trying to figure out how they made it. Yeah, so yes, I hate, I hate saying yes, but yes, definitely. Okay, so for the first time since our very first episode of In The Lamplight, here's a vocal by Rory Maitland. This is Movement. I still watch you when you're grooving As though through water from the bottom of a pool You're moving without moving When you move, I move You are a call to motion They're all of you a verb in perfect view Like Jonah and the ocean When you move, I move when you move, well, I'm put to mind all that I want to be When you move, I can never define all that you are to me So move me, baby, and shake like the bough of a willow tree You do it naturally, so move me, baby you 
are a rider movement It's reasoning made lucid and cool And though there's no improvement When you move, I move You're less pollutant leaping Or Fred Astaire in sequence, honey, you Your atlas in its sleeping When you move, I move When you move, I can recall Something that's gone from me When you move, honey, I'm putting off Something so flawed and free So move me, baby And shake like the bow of a willow tree You do it naturally So move me, baby So move me, baby It's like you got nothing left to prove And nothing to lose So move me, baby Skies move like a bird to paradise. Move like an outside and come out at night. So move me, baby, and shake like the Shake like the bow of a willow tree You do it naturally So move me, baby That was Rory, folks, with a fantastic vocal on Hosier's movement. Back by popular demand, you might say. We've, we've, <laughs> had pe- we've had people asking, so there you go. For anyone that has been asking, there is Rory. Indeed. We, it also featured uh, Luke on electric guitar, on organs, and with a fantastic synth strings arrangement. Luke, I was blown away by that arrangement you well, did. I, you I was much. wondering, was it something you took off the, tr- the original track? Um, but it wasn't. It was something you did yourself. Yeah, uh, just uh, after Rory sent over the vocal, I just kind of sat down with it for a while and... You know, we I suppose everything that we've done so far music-wise, live music-wise, has had quite an original vibe to it. We haven't been trying to cover songs necessarily, even if the songs are covers. So um, I didn't want to just do a kind of a direct rip-off of, of what's already out there with, with Hosier's fantastic version. I thought, you know, we'll, we'll take it in a new direction. So um, that's just kind of what, what, what came to mind. So I just kind of rolled with it, yeah. It's great. It's great. How does it make you feel, Rory, listening back uh, to it? I just wanted to say it's like such a big thank you to Luke because it's like, like, like I, we we spend a lot of time making stuff for our show, but it's for other people. 
you know what I mean? So it's it's to make sure that other people uh, look good and, and sound good. Well, not necessarily, but they always kind of look good and sound good anyway. But it's for us to capture that and, and to show that off. So for me to be able to send over a vocal and then to hear that, I just it's it's just one of them things that I'll put in a very secure folder somewhere that I never lose it. It's like a treasure. And thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. No, no and Kieran, thanks for the piano track. It was fabulous. And thanks for finding a key that I could sing it in because I definitely <laughs> couldn't do it in the original key when you sent that over, man. That was perfect. Look, thanks so much. It's, uh, it's easy to cook a nice meal when you've got good ingredients. Oh, cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rory, you have... Uh, the questions are nearly finished. Okay. Uh, but a couple more I want to ask you. You have an amazing work ethic, be it in your barbershop or, you know, back when you were, I remember getting my haircut uh, with you in Alfie's when you worked there and you were telling me you, you'd had a couple of hours sleep. You were back in from the night for the nine to six shift in Alfie's and you were heading off then seven o'clock over to the Blind Tiger where a mate of yours was needed a cocktail barman. And so you were you were there till the early hours in the morning and then back into Alfie's. That's just one example. I've seen it in many examples. But uh, where does this come from? Or or did you always have it? Or, you know, what what does it mean to you? So, like, I've got to preface this by try, saying I am trying not to be condescending, but I'm also trying to be honest. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I'm really proud of my work ethic, but I don't think, like, it's not pr- proud. I haven't worked extremely hard on it. Um, I think it's... Like for that example, by that example that you just gave about the the cocktail bar, a mate of mine was was opening a cocktail bar and, and needed experienced staff. So I said I'd help him for a couple of months to get him on his feet. Um, but most of the stuff that I do, I just really enjoy doing. I, I really like the idea um, of, of setting goals. Um, and we all know ourselves, you don't meet all your goals, but you never get the joy of meeting a goal if you don't set some. So things like deciding that I wanted to open a barbershop would have been a huge one. And it's such a lovely feeling to go and do that. But in order to do that, you have to work quite hard at it. Like I have a production company now as well, and it's a very similar thing. This podcast, I don't think people understand how how difficult, or not difficult, but how much work goes into things like this. But yet all of the things that I do, I do because I love doing them. And if I don't do them because I love doing them, I do them because they serve someone I love or they serve someone that I think needs help and if you have energy which I do and I'm fortunate to have that it's a shame not to use it so I don't know I I think I think work ethic just comes if you put your energies in the right place it's so hard to be motivated if you put them in the wrong place or if you put them in a place where you're meeting a negative wall constantly Mm. whereas if you take your time and really find out where you want to be it doesn't feel like work ethic. It feels yeah. like I wake up today, today and do a thing that I, I love doing. That's that's the key, isn't it, though? You have to find something you want to get out of bed for. For sure. For sure. Like, I mean, and just find things that, ex- that excite me. Like, I knew I, we were recording this podcast this evening. So I'm hurrying through my dinner to set up my lights, to set up my camera, to set up my sound gear. I love all that. And I love sitting down and talking to people. So I think it's... It's not so much like a, a, a strong work ethic. It's just a, re, a, a an organizational skill as to where you put your energy. And if you put it into the things you love, as they say, you won't, you won't work ever because you'll just be doing things you like. Yeah, very true. Very true. Very true. Fair play to you, Rory. It's been lovely having you on the show, on your own show. <laughs> it's been class being on my own show. I loved it. Thanks so much. Last, last question before we, we start uh, wrapping up. 
sure. Uh, sorry, I just want to give your production company a mention because you've mentioned it a few times, but the, the name is Temper Hound Productions. Yes. Uh, and I know you're launching this company in 2021, so watch out the world for Temper Hound Productions <laughs> featuring Rory Maitland and, and a lot of talent. Uh, finally, though, uh, bringing it back to uh, stuff we've, we've all worked on together, um, your favorite theme night performance? Oh, nice! Yeah, that's a really lo- that's a lovely question. Mine is so simple. Is it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't get me wrong. I've loved I love the buzz around theme nights, and I love going on the stage every time. Um, uh, and I just think it's great. It's great crack, and it's a great community to be involved in. But without a shadow of a doubt, it's um, it's the time that you asked me and my dad uh, and a few others, Luke and a few others, to sing Bohemian Rhapsody at the Sligo Summer Festival. And like, I got up on the stage and there was like three and a half, four thousand people, and like a sea of people, and everyone was just in great form. And like the music started and we started our performance and just the energy. I, like, I don't know what it was like to be in the crowd for that show but if it was half the energy in the crowd as it was on the stage it was incredible like and it was it was incredible because i think we were all trying to do something that hadn't really been done i mean doing the full bohemian rhapsody start to finish live in front of a crowd just hasn't hadn't really been done an awful lot queen didn't even do it no they used used to they used to skip the the big vocal intro at the start and go straight into the the hard part that we kept wrecking yeah (laughs) and i understand why that and even even in the um in the middle bit you know the i see your little silhouette in that bit when queen were doing it live they used to they used to just black the stage out and play the recording of uh, with the video because they just didn't have enough voices and and personnel to pull that off live. So even Queen okay. never ever did that middle section live either. And then, like I mean, even if if you if like you can go to Kieran's uh, YouTube now and you can see, like I just had a blast with my dad. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I, I will probably never get in. Well, I, maybe not. You never know. But it wouldn't seem likely that I get quite an opportunity like that again to do a song of that magnitude with my dad in front of that many people. Yeah. So that's like one of the, it's one of them moments where it's like, that's when you say, like, what's your favorite thing? Like, boom. Like, I love them all, but that one is just so special. I, I just, I think it's amazing. And it's a fabulous memory to have. I'm, uh, I'm not quite sure whether to bring this up, but but feck it. I knew uh, you were going to oh. do this. <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think today or the day we're recording this podcast is is two years since we were all in Vicker Street. And oh, for, wow. Is that two years? Oh two years. For Team Night 22. And we also did Bohemian Rhapsody that night. Uh, and <laughs> we had the whole thing with, we, we, we all had, uh, well, you guys, all the vocalists had torches. I still shine. have that. Really, to shine underneath the, the torch, faces yeah. to get that effect. And I mean, 90% of the song was brilliant, but the opening section, I'll never oh. forget. I'll never forget. I don't think any, any of us will ever forget it. And it was just, we didn't start correctly. And then we, we, and then we never recovered. And we never recovered. Oh, until, I, get- I think, I think, I think what, what I had to do then when, when the, I'm not sure, but this is my memory. When the when the vocal opening was going on, I knew something was going wrong. I yeah. said, I think we're in a different key. Or I think it's moved, it's shifted, there's something moved here. And so I was sort of very quietly playing the piano to try and figure out what key 
the song was in or had gone to. And so, so after this vocal <laughs> section, the very first chord is a B flat. Do, 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 do. That's a B flat chord. And so I played an A chord first to try and match what ye had sung. Yeah. So it didn't sound like you'd finished in one key and I was already starting into a new key. I played an A chord and then went into a B flat chord straight away after that to try okay. and set us up for the rest of the song. <laughs> but, so what were we at semitone down or tone down? Or what, where, where were, how far down were we? Well, I, I, look, I can listen back um, if, 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 if I want to put myself through that nah, don't and, <laughs> and find out. But I think, look... I, I blame myself, lads. I mean, it's, it was a new situation for all of us. And I think what I had told you or what I'd recommended you do was to get your note off stage before you came on yeah. and to come yeah. on and 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 then we we're going to start straight and into it. And that was it. me. I had a little like piano app on my phone. So I was at the side of the stage going, me, 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 do, 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 do. And then trying to carry that note onto the stage. Onto and, the stage. and at Is the same the time, and I yeah. kept it in my own head, like, and I don't know whether we started in the right place or not, but I, I suppose the environment and the, we just, uh, we drifted yeah, down. I, I think it was too long to for, for, to, to ask you to, to hold a note in your head. You know, I wanted to start it really dramatically without giving it a chord on the piano. Yeah. But I think, I think that would have been, would have been the wisest thing to do, you know? Yeah. I never forget. <laughs> and it's okay, funny because I, I thought I, I caught caused that no. so like there's Luke saying that he caused it Kieran reckons he had something to do with it and I was full sure I was like I started I'm out the front leading this booming into a mic in the wrong key and all these other people just had to kind of fit into the wrong key that I started so I think everyone felt a little bit of like uh, anyway bit of that we really. recovered once once we got into the song proper uh, we, and I'll we, never forget we like recovered. just standing in that group on the stage and having done the intro because when we were actually doing the intro we didn't really have an awareness of how flat we were, but I could nearly feel that this is lower in my voice than in your it throat, should be. Yes. Right? I, I could like nearly the... just feel that. So what was, do you say it was supposed to be B flat, the first chord? Well, no, the first chord after you come out of... Was, was supposed, was to, be supposed to be B flat. Yeah, yeah. So, and then like, two, if we were there, matter to me. So it was like, nearly like, to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I stand in there on the stage and going, "Oh, we fucked it." Oh god, <laughs> that that such a cringe moment. But th- you recovered from it really well. Yeah, Rory. I remember. I remember people saying afterwards, Rory just said, "All right." This started badly, but I'm going to make up for it afterwards. And you went for it after that. Well, well, what the rest of the was, performance was brilliant. I fluffed a line, so I fluffed a line after that because. I was just so like everything was like oh my god because like yeah. I, like I thought right I've done this song in front of three and a half four thousand people that was one of the best moments of my life now I'm doing it in Vicar Street yeah and then for it right okay the start didn't go so well then I fluffed the line and then that is literally what happened in my brain I said no not having this I, I can't take we can't take anything back but we can only move forward and I just started belting it and I, lo- I actually loved the end of that like I, yeah. I thought it was great crack it's great fight, fight or flight and you decided to fight <laughs> w- wouldn't be like me yeah 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 <laughs> Um, no, I don't talk about it much these days. Like, Dad is the reason we all did it, like, because that he came up playing music. And I'm thinking, is it I who did something wrong? So from saying yes to looking after my grandmother, I got one of the greatest passions that I've ever had in my life. It was just, it was an incredible place to be, just so vibrant. So you are, you know, the closest thing we have to a rock star. Lockdown, I'm bored with it now, I'm fucking bored with yeah. it. I wish it would come. 
fuck yeah. off. We here at In the Lamplight would like to unreservedly apologize. <laughs> That's beautiful, the two of you. Beautiful. That's great now, lads. That's a heap of people that will never, ever come on our podcast now. Um, right, I, 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 I have a competition. This is between Sinead and Luke. But then she hit a fake high C. He's a man with a huge soul and a bigger heart. <laughs> Luke's happy about it by the signs. Oh, wow, lads. How good was that? Is this, um, is this a trick question? You are very welcome to the podcast. It is. What about you and that handsome lamplighter? All right. Well, look, that was that was great. We, we, we decided uh, before we started season 1.5, as we're calling it, that... The three of us would be the first three guests of the season, uh, just to, I guess, uh, get our audience to know us a bit better and and just ease ease ourselves into the season. So it's either me or Luke next week. We will reveal yes. all soon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> and we've some we've some great guests coming later in the series, which we will uh, tell you more about very soon. Indeed. But before we finish, we have a new slot on In the Lamplight because we figured there are a lot of frustrated musicians out there. So we thought, why not give them a platform to have a good rant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a win. So, Nothing like a good old rant. So this is uh, The Lamplight Pet Peeve featuring famous Dave Flynn. Rock me mama like a wagon wheel Rock me Mama, any way you feel Hey, hey, hey Mama, rock me Rock me, Mama, like the wind and the rain Rock me, Mama, like a southbound train Hey Two of my least favourite things in the world Wagon wheel and the clap in the wrong place I have a t-shirt on which is written Friends don't let friends clap on the one and three I wear it very proudly. It's a concept I take extremely seriously. My Ten Commandments is just don't clap on the one and three ten times in a row. This is something I feel very strongly about. So let me be completely clear. People who clap on the one and three should be shot with balls of their own shit. There are some things in life that you just don't do. You don't bring up religion or politics at the table. You don't take the adjacent urinal. You don't talk about season eight of Game of Thrones and you do not clap on the one and three. There you are, singing your heart out for the entertainment of a crowd of people when inevitably some beat deaf blunderbuss starts clapping on the wrong beat and before you know it, the song, the gig, the whole day, arguably your entire week is ruined. Honestly, I'm getting angry just sitting here thinking about this. I will concede that some people are beyond help. I know that there are people out there who just don't get it and for whatever reason cannot get it. People who listen to country and Irish music, for example, will never get this right. Beat deafness, just like tone deafness, is a real thing. I've come to accept this. I know I'll never get everyone on my side, but that won't stop me trying. All I'd ask from this group of congenitally arrhythmic music lovers is please, whenever you go to a concert, wear mittens or I'll be forced to shoot you with balls of your own shit but I'll pull the trigger on two and four
Thank you, Dave. What a legend. What a legend. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know there was work went into that? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah there was proper work went There's into a script. that. There was a script written. There was a script, absolutely a script written. A script which I might add took a, took a rather harsh out shot at the, <laughs> at the country and Irish lovers out there. Uh, he was it? totally only having the crack. He was I having know. the crack for sure. The funny thing about the country and Irish music though is, and I, I think it might be the only genre of music that I can really think of, which it, clapping on two and four in country and Irish doesn't work. It actually gives it like a swing that's just not supposed to be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. For you know, sure. that's, that's, that's the stomp on your foot in the one and the three kind of music. And even when you see them doing the jiving, uh, it's like the swings of their hands and stuff always emphasise the one and three. It's like a <laughs> yeah, one yeah. and a three and a twirl and a three and a, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 so, so, um, I think we'll have to give them a reprieve, but uh, well, I'm I, not sure Dave would agree with you, Luke. But we'll we let him we'll let him fight <laughs> well, that off, fight that which off, that. Yeah, off yeah. air indeed. And look, I mean, to him, it was great. It was, it great. was. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dave, for, for that. And if any other musicians out there have something that they would like to get off their chest, um, or non musicians, anybody at all, if you think you want to feature on the Lamplight Pet Peeve this season, uh, send us an email. Uh, lamplightpod at gmail.com record yourself like Dave did or, or you know whatever way you want to do it and we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what comes in over the next few weeks lads that'd <laughs> sure, be great sure <laughs> perfect is that, is that us? that could be us yeah do you know I had one thought earlier yeah just in the conversation when you mentioned that there was those celebrities that had twins imagine if you were the identical twin of a celebrity <laughs> Right, your Scar- <laughs> your Scarlett Johansson's identical twin. Do you just do you use that to your advantage? Do you know? Do you rock up to a restaurant and go, "Hi, I'm Scarlett Johansson, and I'd like your best table tonight, please." Like you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's an interesting sure. one, isn't it? <laughs> there will be crack to be had. Oh, there'll be Definitely. mighty crack to be had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, on that on that note, uh, we will say goodbye for this week. We will see you all next week with either Luke or Kieran. Uh, featured as uh, their guest Rory thanks for being our guest thanks for answering the questions thanks so much great to chat to you as always it was great and uh, see you all next week bye see you next week you I hope you're geared up to interview yourself Kieran whenever it comes around yeah or I won't say it I won't say it good luck (laughs) 